like your uh I'm a big I'm a big fan of 9-11 so (laughs) (laughs) starting early (laughs) uh too soon or too late I don't know for those of you who don't know 9-11 was uh in 1973 the CIA helped overthrow the Chilean government um and uh instituted this brutal dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet uh, I think there was another 9-11, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we're already started, so we could say welcome to This American Left. Uh, my name is Matthew. My name is Hannah. And we are, and we are siblings. siblings. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about a lot of shit today, folks. Uh, it's a long, a long time coming. 20th anniversary of 9-11 coming up soon. Actually, that's probably when I'm going to release this episode. Major um, trigger warning. Huge, um, huge, as huge, biggest Bernie, Bernie Sanders, <laughs> huge trigger warning. Huge <laughs> vagina. Look it up. <laughs> uh, curb your enthusiasm, folks. Huge vagina. Huge trigger warning. It's already. It's already. People are. <laughs> people are offended. leaving already. Yeah. <laughs> really getting up. Uh, throwing tomatoes at us. Yeah, um, we're going to be talking about. The, very disturbing shit on this episode uh as you might expect 9-11 is the main topic as well as afghanistan not if you thought you were angry before not be uh you know after. rainbows and sunshine yeah. type topics okay <laughs> a lot of shit going down in afghanistan in recent weeks with the u.s withdrawal you know retreating with their tail behind between their legs like a bunch of uh imperialist dogs that they are <laughs> This is all improvised, <laughs> but uh, it is really horrifying to see some of these images coming out of Afghanistan. The the airport in Kabul, the Hamid Karzai International Airport, you know, with Afghan civilians like uh, clinging to these military planes and some people falling to their deaths. Obviously, had the bombing at the airport recently too that killed mm-hmm. uh, well over a hundred people. And then, as we said, the sort of revenge uh, drone strike that Biden conducted that killed an entire family of 10 people, including several children. I think it's like fucking prime opportunity for like tons of propaganda. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of what was happening in the news media was like (laughs) Biden, uh, you know, Biden lies a lot. We've talked about it a lot, but he was pretty honest in terms of admitting the U.S. kind of was defeated um, and just being like, yeah, we got to get the fuck out of there, like whatever. He was saying stuff about it. It wasn't supposed to be a nation building project, which was kind of like, I thought that part was dishonest. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he was like, you know, we got to get out of there. Um, so basically from the commentary I heard a lot of people realized that the Taliban was going to take over pretty quickly or they were going to take over inevitably after the U.S. withdrawal uh, whether it was you know a decade ago or you know another decade of war it didn't really matter Um, so like the Taliban really very quickly um, took over all major cities including the capital Kabul about nine days Mm -hmm. and as you know the PSL party for socialism and liberation their statement included kind of like 
the fact that the Afghan government, like the puppet government that the U.S. had installed and was like training the army and all that over the years, they were kind of just an extension of U.S. imperialist power, um, which is kind of why they just uh, retreated without a fight, basically, when the Taliban uh, came into Kabul. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, a huge embarrassment for the U.S. empire that like after this 20-year occupation, they're kind of back where everything started with the Taliban in power. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, and it's like, I think the like rhetoric is like, oh, like Biden's a pussy. Like, look <laughs> at like the fact right. that now the Taliban took over and there's like no context being explained as to like any of the precursors to the situation and like, just kind of like feeding the narrative that it's justified for us to stay there like yeah, forever indefinitely the, yeah the longest war in american history already yeah um so yeah i just want to kind of mention some statistics about kind of the effects or like the the cost both the human and i guess you know the monetary cost so i mean the invasion of afghanistan started October 7th, 2001, and this was like about four weeks after the 9-11 attacks. And obviously, as we mentioned, a 20-year occupation, very brutal fighting. Um, Brown University estimates uh, 241,000 deaths attributed to this war. Mm -hmm. At least 71,000 were civilians. And uh, about 5.9 million people displaced from this war. I guess if you want to zoom out to the U.S. war on terror more broadly, the estimate is about 38 million people who were displaced. Mm -hmm. So this is just like unimaginable trauma, suffering, death, destruction. Uh, and then in terms of the actual, you know, price tag, something people like to talk about in the U.S., like, how are you going to pay for it? Yeah. They don't really ask that about wars, but the estimate was about $2.25 trillion dollars. Jesus. Um, and then this is just kind of the initial, I remember hearing about the Iraq war uh, and it was getting up into like four or five trillion with, with the interest payments and stuff. So the estimate for this is eventually about $6 trillion. And a really fun fact about that price tag is that about 90% of that went directly to weapons manufacturers and other private uh, companies, defense contractors and what have you. So, uh, you know. So the war machine is a uh, extension of capitalism. There you go. Imperialism in the highest stage of capitalism. Yeah. Vladimir Lenin, folks, look it up. Yeah, this is just <laughs> another, imper another imperialist war like World War <laughs> One, when when the Bolsheviks were talking about this. I think um, something that I thought was super disturbing was like the fact that pretty much nobody knew what was going on when they first like occupied Afghanistan they were like I don't know what we're doing here um yeah absolutely yeah um this kind of a theme I've noticed in a lot of U.S. occupations is like they're like who's the enemy and then they're like, oh, these insurgents. And they're like, wait, some of these people are just literally defending their homes. <laughs> and, right. and it's like, you know, it's like their their country. Um, there's some, obviously some situations like 
recently in Syria where a lot of the fighters are coming from foreign countries and what have you, but we might get into that later. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, like, so this is another aspect of the propaganda is like all along kind of throughout the Afghanistan war, you know, there was like Obama promoting it. He ran on kind of, you know, the Iraq war was the dumb war and then Afghanistan is the good war and we're going to do a surge and all that. But there was the release of the Afghanistan papers uh, a while ago. I don't remember when it was, but there's all these quotes from like top generals and diplomats (laughs) and it's just so messed up. Like they, they really did not know what was going on. Um, There's a book written recently and it's kind of a, a summary from the intercept uh, talking about the book is like an encyclopedic catalog of lies and ineptitude, delusion and denial, incompetence and corruption and rank cowardice from like basically the, the U.S. military. Yeah. Um, did, you, <clears throat> did you want to read any of these quotes, Hannah? Uh, yeah. So um this dude named army lieutenant general douglas loot who was the white house war czar under uh george bush and barack obama literally said we don't have the foggiest notion of what we are undertaking and then uh richard boucher the bush administration top diplomat for south and central asia said we did not know what we were doing and then fucking army lieutenant general david barno who was one of the earlier afghanistan war commanders said there was a tremendous dysfunctionality in unity of command inside afghanistan and inside the military army general dan mcneil who was a top commander in afghanistan under bush said literally there was no campaign plan i tried to get somebody to define for me what winning meant even before i went over and nobody could yeah so this basically the entire thing is a clusterfuck uh we don't we need to get into all the details but there was very brutal um killings of civilians and and like desecration of corpses and things like Mm -hmm. that you know aside from just not knowing what the fuck was going on um there's this other story that's i could mention briefly it's like stanley mccrystal was this general that he was kind of like one of these guys who like was just um kind of a hothead he was just doing whatever he didn't know what was going on and there was this journalist um trying to think of his name but yeah anyway there's this journalist who kind of like ruined stan stanley mccrystal's career by like exposing how shitty of a general he was And uh, Michael Hastings, I think was his name. He wrote a book about it. And uh, fun fact, Michael Hastings died in a very suspicious car accident. And he, uh, I guess his family members had been saying that his car was like being taken control of, like somebody hacked it or something. Jesus. So this journalist who like exposed uh, part of the shitty, like nonsense of the Afghanistan war uh, he died in this he like was Mysterious. going like 100 miles an hour and crashed into a tree and uh he was saying that his car was like hacked or whatever yeah anyway <laughs> just a just a cr- tidbit just a tidbit for y'all folks look into it um but so there it wasn't all bad though <laughs> the uh 
the heroin industry was really booming while the U.S. was <laughs> occupying Afghanistan, folks. So I think think some folks are aware of um, the CIA's kind of history in drug trafficking exposed by Gary Webb. Oh, by the way, Gary Webb was later found dead with uh, two bullet holes to the head, and it was ruled a suicide because you know sometimes you have to make sure and, and shoot yourself twice. Um, oh my God! But yeah, Gary Webb really exposed the with the CIA and the right-wing Nicaraguan Contras uh, trafficking cocaine in the 80s. Look into that, folks. But yeah, there's a historical precedent here. And long story short, so by 2014, Afghanistan was producing twice as much opium as it did in 2000. Mm -hmm. But by 2015, Afghanistan was the source of 90% of the world's opium poppy. And you can see there's, um, there's all these photos of US soldiers kind of guarding and patrolling these poppy fields in Afghanistan. Uh, there's, I don't know if there's too much hard evidence on that the U.S. was directly involved, but it seems like they sort of facilitated it based on the actual yeah, in it's just, industry, you know. Seems like another example of like kind of like using war to take advantage of whatever like natural resources to yeah, yeah. that we're able to like sell or make money off of. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, I mean, you know, hundreds of thousands of people died and the country was further destroyed, uh, but it was pretty good for the weapons industry and the heroin industry. So mm -hmm. pros and cons. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Um, um, well, do you think you could talk a little bit about like the history that was leading up to 9-11? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of different places people could start. The CIA was created after World War II, and the CIA was involved in a lot of covert actions that amounted to basically overthrowing foreign governments, right? Yeah. And so the first time was in 1953, the Iranian government, the CIA worked with uh, British intelligence, I think, to overthrow Mohammad Mossadegh. He was the democratically elected president, nationalizing the oil industry. So that's something to keep in mind here. So basically what I wanna start with for this history is 1978, there was a socialist revolution in Afghanistan. Um, and the, the PSL kind of summarized this, the Taliban coming to power in the mid 1990s was the consequence of the CIA war against the socialist government of Afghanistan that had come to power in 1978 during the sewer revolution. Um, so yeah. You know, I like think I'm that, saying, like, blew my mind, like thinking that it was kind of all started as a reaction against the socialist government. Yeah, it's it's pretty shocking, like when you first find out about it. But then it's also like it makes sense in the historical context of yeah. like, this shit happening a like, lot over <laughs> and over again in a multiple. Yeah, countries. just like constantly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> as you folks know, I'm a fan of socialism we are on this podcast um i'm not i'm just kidding <laughs> and it's like fuck socialism <laughs> fuck that i'm a free market fundamentalist milton friedman fan no <laughs> tough crowd anyway um, well, uh, i'm a fan of jordan peterson yeah, yeah jordan peterson he, <laughs> yeah. he just really distills everything yeah to, to his <laughs> bare essentials clean your clean your fucking room before you worry yeah. about this shit <laughs> um so 
Yeah, so successful uh, socialist revolution in Afghanistan, 1978. Uh, the People's Democratic Party of, of Afghanistan, PDPA, uh, they started kind of implementing these socialist reforms. We don't have to kind of go through everything, but I did want to mention, it's kind of like what usually happens with socialist governments. There's a, you know, an increase in production, like industrial production, including nationalization of industries, mm -hmm. uh, cent central planning. Um, the socialist government abolished the debts of peasants owed to rich farmers and landlords, kind of like helping lift them out of poverty, right? Yeah. Um, there's all these, you know, various feminist reforms, marriage reforms, um, equal rights for women that were implemented, uh, paid maternity leave. There was land redistribution and collective farming was introduced. Um, there were literacy programs, like if you all remember in Cuba in the early days of the revolution, there were these ver very successful literacy programs. Uh, so the same thing here to er eradicate illiteracy, um, you know, education, uh, especially, you know, bringing women into, into being educated and having free education. Uh, like I said, the planned economy showing tremendous results, uh, constructing a hundred new factories in five years. So it kind of like know, go goes against like the whole anti-communist rhetoric of like, yeah oh, everybody is just being like oppressed and they only get, you know, like all yeah, of these yeah. ideas of everyone's quality of life goes down and like everyone's and it's actually, like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually just like projection. Opposite. Yeah, it's like pro capitalist projection. They're like saying all these horrible things. And it's like, no, you're just describing capitalists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's, there's this good article that is from marxist.com talking about this socialist revolution in Afghanistan that I'm gonna to link to all these sources, obviously. But I think they end this section with, uh, quote, the power and privileges of the possessed classes were badly damaged and the interests of imperialism were under threat. So that's kind of like, you know, a summary of- That's like the of, backdrop for like what actually yeah. happened. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, <laughs> as I said, you know, the CIA, what are they gonna do after a socialist revolution? Take a guess. So um, there's this really good book, Blowback, that I got when I was younger. Um, blowback is like, you know, the unintended consequences of American covert actions, basically. So Chalmers Johnson, he's like an expert, or he was the late Chalmers Johnson. Um, They're literally like, oh, um, they might retaliate if we do all these horrible atrocities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially that they're covert. It's another aspect of it where like the American public doesn't know why right. these things are happening. So it's pretty intense, but uh, I think this quote is pretty good from Blowback. Uh, the attacks of September 11th descend in a direct line from events in 1979, the year in which the CIA with full presidential authority began carrying out its largest clandestine operation the secret arming of the Mujahideen to wage a proxy war against the Soviet Union, which involved the recruitment and training of militants from all over the Islamic world. So that's a good summary of what really happened, folks. Uh, let's, like let's, just, let's just break that down for a second. Yeah, dog. All right, so let's see here. So the CIA 
starts arming the Mujahideen. Who, who's that? Okay, so the Mujahideen, to understand kind of what this organization was, uh, two of the groups that formed out of kind of the original Mujahideen were the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. Mm. So these are Salafi jihadists, um, militants who, I don't know if y'all know anything about Saudi Arabia, basically it's a theocratic monarchy. Women don't have any rights, they can't drive. Uh, people are beheaded publicly as a form of punishment. Mm -hmm. So these are kind of some of the, <laughs> some of the things that uh, the Mujahideen was into. They were very opposed to women being educated. That was kind of one of the main things. Well, and that's like, that's like the, this is the sort of like stereotypical, like, like these are what terrorists look like. That's like the image. And yet oh, yeah. it's like, the truth of it is that like the U.S. was involved in their creation and then arming yes. them and like kind of training them. Absolutely. So they were involved in very intimately involved. Um, they were actually, I might get to this later, but they were involved in actually radicalizing them too. But yeah, I'll mention that in a, in a little bit. Um, but so yeah, blowback, like I said, uh, this term blowback was actually uh, coined by the CIA uh, in kind of their speculation about what might happen mm -hmm. after they started overthrowing these governments covertly and stuff like that. Um, and I think that you might know where we're going with this, obviously. 9-11 uh, is, is a good example of blowback because it was Al-Qaeda who came out of the Mujahideen. Uh, Al-Qaeda is the you know, terrorist group that attacked uh, the U.S. on 9-11. So blowback, folks. Um, yeah, so, so basically the folks that were involved folks. in 9-11, the folks. No, I love <laughs> it because Obama, sure Obama one time he was like, we tortured some folks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyway, you gotta make sure to respect them when you're talking about. Them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the folks from basically from Mujahideen, like that came out of that, they were the ones that were being recruited and trained by the U.S. to fight the Soviet Union, and then they're the ones that retaliated against us yeah. for being for occupying their home yeah and like yes. then they attacked yeah exactly so very important historical uh context for y'all to know and another thing i just want to mention really quickly is that um so the socialist government in afghanistan the pdpa they were allied with the soviet union and um, basically, they invited the Soviet Union to uh, lend military assistance to them after these, you know, the Mujahideen were doing terrorist attacks and whatnot. Uh, usually, the history is told kind of the other way around mm -hmm. that um, the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. That's really the wrong word to use because, you know, the Soviet, or sorry, the uh, Afghanistan government, you know, formally invited the Soviet military to help them. But yeah, I just wanted to clarify that folks. Um, I'm, a, I'm a stan of the Soviet Union. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> as they say. Oh wait, didn't actually in in the context of this, didn't the CIA support Osama bin Laden? Yeah, that's another really important thing here is is that bin Laden, you know, as known as you know the the uh, leader of Al Qaeda for a, a period of time, and the the man behind 9/11 to some extent. The CIA was supporting him. He was like a Mujahideen leader. He wasn't just like one of these little uh, guerrilla fighters. He was like an actual leader. Uh, he was involved in a lot of funding and stuff like that. And he is, so Osama bin Laden is from the bin Laden family, which is a really wealthy Saudi Arabian family. Yeah. We'll get into some of that later too. But I thought this was kind of interesting, something that Chalmers Johnson brought up which was that, you know, the CIA was uh, supporting bin Laden and um, he was like, the CIA actually even built these training complexes and storage tunnels in Afghanistan for the Mujahideen around the Afghan city of coast. And, you know, this was, you know, during the eighties, they actually were allied with the Mujahideen, but later, uh, in August of 1998, so this is way later, this is after the Taliban actually took over Afghanistan, uh, President Clinton, uh, he, he bombed the complexes uh, in Afghanistan that were like these uh, CIA-built training centers and stuff uh, in retaliation, because this is after bin Laden started attacking the US. Like he attacked two American embassies, in one in Kenya and one in Tanzania. And so like the CIA knew where these Al-Qaeda targets were because they had built them. So it yeah, was just like, like... Always like the accidentally killing civilians shit is like, that's bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're precise when they want to be. Yeah. Um, I thought a few more fun facts <laughs> about this. Uh, there's, I'm trying to remember what newspaper, I'm pretty sure it was the New York Times, but back then... Uh, you know, we see, if we talk about it now, we're like, oh yeah, the Mujahideen, they were like terrorists. Back then they were called freedom fighters and they were just like universally praised in, in Western media. Um, there was, yeah, Jesus. there was like, Os like literally Osama bin Laden on the cover of a mainstream newspaper and saying like, you know, Afghan like what year warriors. I'm not sure. It was probably in the 80s, something yeah. in the 80s. Um, and then a really, a really funny thing. <laughs> that I've heard is that Rambo 3, the movie, at the beginning, it's like dedicated to the Mujahideen. What? Yeah. Dude, I always knew Rambo was some shit. He's a fucking bootlicker, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> at the very <laughs> least. So a few more things about the whole Mujahideen situation. Like I say, fun facts. Um, there's a really good book called The Management of Savagery by Max Blumenthal. He's like probably one of my favorite journalists. But he talks about uh, how, like, you know, it wasn't just uh, the CIA providing weapons and training to the Mujahideen fighters. It was also like they purposely radicalized them. So there were these um, USAID uh, designed book textbooks that were written by the CIA. Printed what is in USAID? I think it's the United States Agency for International Development or something. It's, oh, okay. it's one of those things that sounds very benign, but then but when you look not. at the yeah, when you look at the details, they're like, oh, they're always involved in coups and supporting yeah. like terrorists and shit. Um, so these books were printed in Nebraska, 
And I wanted to find more details on this, but what when I first learned about this, it was basically like these textbooks trying to indoctrinate people with like Salafi jihadist ideology. And they were like uh, things like math problems where they'd be like, well, let's say you have 10 infidels and you kill five, how many infidels are left? And just like, yeah, you know, like trying brainwashing. to brain, brainwashing. Yeah. So that's something fun to learn about folks look into it, the CIA purposely uh, created whatever we call it now, like political Islam or whatever the terms they use. Literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like actually not literally. even like, yeah. Like in, in coordination with Saudi Arabia, because that's where the ideology like comes from. But the U S is a very close ally of Saudi Arabia. Well, and it's like, it's all, I think what was like most disturbing to me as I was looking into this stuff is that like, it's all very calculated. So it's like, they're very like strategic moves like over the course of decades to like create all of these conditions so that like we can basically like profit off of the situation you're literally like creating like a yeah like a terrorist organizations essentially yeah absolutely and then they can just use them as an enemy later right or allies again like recycle just recycle it <laughs> well yeah they can like use them as like um like a proxy force or whatever. yeah like uh, the optics of it is that like we're we're fighting for the freedom of the whole world and like we created it yeah exactly so yeah that's why it's important to learn this history dog that's we're right, going through it dog. all you little dogs out there <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, we have so much stuff to cover. It's going to be great, folks. Hope you're enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> it's like the most horrifying information yeah. ever. But yeah, no, uh, side note, like I've always been very interested in learning about 9-11 and kind of like the, what led to it as as a young lad. I think the book Blowback, I think I got it when I was like literally like 19 or 20 or something. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, the CIA created this group through the mujahideen i was like so my mind was blown but yeah i hope we're blowing your minds a little folks um that's the real definition of blowback <laughs> blowing blowing minds blowing <laughs> yeah. hearts at blowing hearts and minds so <laughs> it's all about folks oh my god it's amazing uh so moving on a little bit here you know this massive war that broke out in Afghanistan, uh, the proxy war with the CIA, CIA armed Mujahideen fighting against basically the Soviet military as well as the Afghan government forces, uh, the socialist government. And so little by little, all the reforms that we mentioned earlier were rolled back, all of these accomplishments of the socialist government. And so in 1988, the Soviet Union withdrew and the socialist government was being extremely weakened by all the fighting and the chaos and the destruction and it lasted until 1992 when the Mujahideen took over. Um, so, you know, this is another one of many examples of the U.S. destroying a socialist yeah. experiment or a socialist project. And really like, you know, as we were talking about kind of the Mujahideen splintering into different factions the two most well-known being uh, the, the Taliban, Taliban and, and Al-Qaeda. And, and Al-Qaeda, yes, exactly. 
And so there was like this civil war between these factions, like even more factions than those two. It's kind of, it's probably kind of like Syria, you know, with just like all these mm-hmm. factions fighting each other. The Taliban <laughs> emerged victorious in 1996 and formed a far-right Islamist government backed by, you guessed it folks, the theocratic monarchy and US ally, Saudi Arabia. Um, so this is some, there's some more fun tidbits in here, folks. Uh, like I said, Max Blumenthal's book is really good. Um, he quotes a State Department spokesperson, Glenn Davies. Uh, the U.S. said it found nothing objectionable in the new Afghan government's intention to impose Sharia law. And then there was a uh, top State Department diplomat in 1997, so shortly, shortly after the, the Taliban seized power. Uh, this diplomat said the Taliban will probably develop like Saudi Arabia. There will be a state oil company, pipelines, and emir, uh, no parliament, and lots of Sharia law. We can live with that. Uh, (laughs) So that actually is really shocking. uh, If you think about, like, as we mentioned, the progress of the socialist government, you know, like empowering women was one of the things. Well, yeah, and it's, I think it's like, so kind of like hypocritical because I feel like the rhetoric is like, you know, freedom these, and democracy. Well, yeah, and like these um, governments and countries are so like um, barbaric or whatever. Yeah, like they're so behind or they're so like, um, you know, they're like anti human rights or anti women's rights or whatever. And they're like, that's, we have to like free them from these. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and then they're literally like, the, literally the opposite of what they do. They're like, we want it to be like that. Like, we want them to have that sort of structure in their society yeah exactly it's it's profitable um and yeah you don't want socialism developing because that threatens their profits and their yeah global dominance and what have you but yeah it is just crazy to think like this feminist socialist government they just destroyed it and we're like yeah this uh sharia law that's fine with us it's like don't believe these fucking snakes you guys all right (laughs) Well, um, and I also think it's gross that they're like, oh, it's it'll probably develop like Saudi Arabia. Like they like it's so calculated, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then obviously, as we mentioned, Saudi Arabia is a fucking theocratic monarchy that beheads people in the streets as a spectacle. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> content warning. <laughs> OK, so so moving along here, folks, you know, we're talking about the Taliban just taking power in Afghanistan. Um, so the U.S. wasn't, as we're saying, like they were fine with it. Uh, I rewatched Michael Moore's documentary Fahrenheit 9/11 recently, mm-hmm. and uh, it's crazy because I the first time I saw it was in theaters. I think it was in 2004 when it came out. Um, so I was like rewatching. I was like, holy shit, uh, he's a liberal, but he does some good work. So just to lib. Throw the fucking lib. But no, he, he's like <laughs> one of the be- one of the better libs. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, so in the documentary they show like 1997 george w bush was governor of texas and like a delegation of taliban leaders from afghanistan they visited houston texas to meet with these oil company executives uh from unical to discuss like plans for building this uh, pipeline through afghanistan so uh yeah you know still since the since sketchy 
like still since 1979, they're still hanging out with these jihadists. Uh, this is very close to getting close to 9-11, obviously. 1999, are they shunning the Taliban yet? Of course not. Yeah. Um, so this is from Max. Yeah, Bermuda's so that, that kind of like just gives a like sort of the opposite of foreshadowing as to like yeah. the way that the type of like rhetoric that's going to be propagated after 9-11. Oh yeah, it is like completely the opposite. It's like a 180, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and it's wild how like people weren't even paying attention to this history anyway, it right. seems like. They were just like, oh yeah, these terrorists, of course. And it's like the US was working with them for like literally the last two decades. Yeah. Um, anyway, so like 1999, um, Taliban officials traveled to the US. Uh, it was like Taliban commanders and a few, actually a few Al-Qaeda operatives as well, just hanging out, you know, uh, the US government and this uh, oil company Unical had them. And when I mentioned those textbooks that were written by the CIA to indoctrinate um, Afghans to become Mujahideen fighters, mm -hmm. this, uh, this author was the one who was assigned to be their, their personal guide. So it was like, for a few weeks, um, this guy, this author, he was escorting these Taliban and Al Qaeda officials to local malls for all expenses paid what? shopping sprees and to Mount Rushmore. So just, yeah, just blatantly, flagrantly hanging out with Al Qaeda and Taliban dudes uh, in the US. <laughs> and taking them to malls. Yeah, yeah. And this is 1999. So, uh, you know, 2001 was 9 11, folks. So keep that in mind. Dude. Ooh <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Right. Oh, jeez, Rick. <laughs> I like all your all your comments, Hannah. When Hannah was reading through the notes, and all the comments are like, "Holy shit!" or like, "Oh my god!" or "LOL." Not a LOL. Literally, like, like I can't. I, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, folks. Uh, some crazy shit here. It's only gonna get crazier from here on out. Yep. So. We've covered, you know, the Afghan war and the lead up to 9-11 basically, or not even the lead up, but like the history of yeah. uh, how- Yeah, like the kind context. Of, yeah, how the Mujahideen spawned uh, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, which is really important. Now for the actual- Through the CIA. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the lead up to 9-11. So one thing that's important to remember, obviously the Bush administration was in power uh, when 9-11 occurred. But prior to that, um, there was this organization called the Project for the New American Century, or PNAC. This was a neoconservative think tank that emerged kind of in the mid-90s. It included 10 members of the subsequent Bush administration. Some of them were- Y'all remember Dick, Dick Cheney? Y'all remember Dick, right? Dick Cheney? He shot also, that guy. Y'all <laughs> remember Donald Rumsfeld? Y'all remember Rummy. He met with Saddam Hussein one time. He's, he's uh, Rumsfeld, his famous quote of like, there are unknown knowns and known unknowns and <laughs> unknown unknowns. And he's like, ooh, we, it's, it's trippy stuff, folks. But uh, <laughs> Paul Wolfowitz, deputy, deputy secretary of defense, there were a lot of, you know, neocons, neoconservatives. In this organization, they put out sort of like documents or reports kind of promoting their ideology and their vision for geopolitical and military dominance over the world and its resources. So, you know, just things that, you know, 
uh, the elites do, but I'm a little bit yeah, more open. Yeah, once, once again, very calculated. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> very uh, articulate in this this coming up passage that I'll, I'll mention here, because this is like, they had this document in 2000. Uh, so, you know, a little bit before 9-11. And just it before was, the election. Yeah, just before the 2000 election. So that's when George W. Bush was elected by um, the and Electoral College. he ran College. against Al Gore. Yeah. And Y'all there was remember like a, that. I think there was like a Supreme Court decision that was really controversial. And there was like yep. these allegations of voter disenfranchisement against uh, Black people in Florida where Surprise, it was uh, Jeb Bush, George Bush's brother, governor. Fucking Jeb Bush. Yeb, comrade <laughs> Yeb. So <laughs> um, so anyway, there was this report titled Rebuilding America's Defenses. And here is a very peculiar quote. Um, so they kind of lay out their vision. It involves a lot of like military intervention in the Middle East, particularly. But it says, quote, further, the process of transformation, even if it brings revolutionary change, is likely to be a long one, absent some catastrophic and catalyzing event, like a new Pearl Harbor. Hmm. Let's. So a year before 9-11, they're like, oh, man, we, we, we want to do all this stuff. If only there was a new Pearl Harbor. OK. Folks. Ooh, I can't. <laughs> So it's like creepy as fuck. Yeah, dude. it's the creepiest shit, dude. Uh, it's only gonna get balls balls to the wall from here on. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I don't know. It's all improvised. <laughs> so here's some other shit, folks. Leading up to 9/11, August 6, 2001, a security briefing Bush received said Osama bin Laden was planning to attack the U.S. by hijacking planes. And some of you, if you remember these uh, testimonies given by government officials, there was Condoleezza Rice and they were like, did you receive, uh, did you guys know about this? And they're like, oh no, we, we had no idea, failure of imagination, all this stuff like that. And then they were like, what was the report titled? And she was like, I think it was titled Bin Laden determined to attack inside the United States. Uh, so that, yeah, there were actually a lot of warnings uh, I didn't write down, but from several different countries prior to 9-11, very specific warnings. Um, and then, so some of you might remember John Ashcroft. He was big on the Patriot Act, Attorney General under Bush. This also happened in 2001 in the summer. Um, he told the FBI director that he didn't want to hear any more about these terrorist threats. Uh, and this was like after the FBI informed him of intelligence indicating al-Qaeda members were in inside the U.S. already and attending flight school. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, we don't want to hear about that. Fuck it. It's going to be the new Pearl Harbor. Yeah, Sleep so they, they were like, like, yeah, this is perfect for us. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, there's different shades to, like, various conspiracy theories that you could have, and I think there's good reason to have them when this is how they're behaving, and especially with the you know, very <laughs> open. Like, not kind of, surprised or concerned. Like, yeah. That. Like, it's the opposite. They're like, they're like, they're bothered by the fact that they're even being told about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, shut the fuck up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about these terrorists. 
Oh my god, it's amazing. Which is folks. like the opposite of the way that they like say that they react. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're like we're trying to protect Americans and all that yeah. stupid shit. Yeah. Ah, okay, folks, moving on here. So the, what actually like happened the day of? Yeah, so some of y'all I know are a little bit younger. You know, technically you can be uh, an adult and not have been born yet on 9-11. Crazy. Uh, I was in high school. I mean, you're old. <laughs> I'm real fucking old, folks. Uh, yeah, I was there just chilling in my classroom and some guy had like a pager and he's like, guys, there's a there's an attack. And then they like wheeled in the TVs. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so like the this is just a summary um, that what happened on the morning of 9-11. Uh, we'll get into the specifics of some of the really crazy shit. But so four commercial airliners were hijacked by 19 members of Al-Qaeda. And if you all remember, like uh, two of them were 767s, two were 757s. Um, and they were three out of the four were actually hit their targets, their intended targets. So the two uh, World Trade Center towers, the Twin Towers, both of them were each hit by a plane. And then um, about 30 minutes later, a third plane collided into the Western Wall of the Pentagon in Arlington County, Virginia. And the last plane, this was Flight 93, crash landed in a field in Pennsylvania. It was like Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Uh, everyone on board died in that, and total uh, about 3,000 deaths, a little less than 3,000 deaths, making it, you know, the deadliest act of terrorism in American history. So that's kind of just like a summary of yeah. what happened or what is said to have happened. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, we'll get into some conspiracy <laughs> stuff and whatnot, but uh, I don't know Looking, if you have anything wasn't, to say wasn't about Wasn't Bush in, like, Florida while all that was going on? Like, he was, like talking to some kids at an elementary school and then they yes. came up to and they were like oh the first plane hit and he was like ah yeah hold on a second let me just finish hanging yeah. out with these kids and then like they kept telling him and so it's like that's like a like a zoom in on the whole attitude of like kind of like yeah not being concerned yeah or just behaving very strangely to say the yeah. least yeah and there's other stuff about Rumsfeld kind of coming out in the Pentagon and just rummaging around in the wreckage and just smiling and like, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So yeah, so Bush was in Florida. There's a lot of people were gone that day. Very, very peculiar. Um, not in Washington or uh, whatever the case is. But um, so yeah, the first plane hit one of the towers. I don't remember the North versus South Tower, but 8.46 a.m. the first plane hit. Um, so yeah, he was reading a book about goats with some kids. <laughs> w, you know, he's got to learn about classic, goats yep. at some point. Yeah, so. classic. <laughs> classic W. <laughs> um, this, so he's in this, yeah, elementary school. The second plane hit the other World Trade Center tower. This was around 9.03. Uh, he was informed pretty promptly, I think two minutes later, by the chief of staff. And there's this really fucking creepy footage. Uh, it's in Fahrenheit 9-11, the, the documentary. Bush is just fucking sitting there. Um, he's continuing to read the book about the goat. For about seven minutes, he's just sitting there. So this is like, you know, the, the biggest attack on American soil 
in its history. Uh, and Deanna Bush is sitting there for seven minutes. Okay, folks, kind of strange, right? Yeah, I can <laughs> wrap my it's, head around this. It's amazing. Um, so I'm just going to go through some other stuff. Like the obviously the airports were closed after this, after the the hijackings and the and the attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. Think that they would stop hanging out with members of the Bin Laden family. Oh yeah, there's this very close connection between the Bushes and the Bin Ladens that like people are kind of horrified to learn about. They're both just like very elite uh, yeah. wealthy families. Um, but so. Yeah, the Bin Laden family is very prominent in Saudi Arabia, and they also have people, family members abroad, kind of studying or whatever the case is. And so, like, yeah, all these airports were closed, flights were uh, just like canceled and stuff. However, um, the White House approved for members of the Bin Laden family and other Saudis to be flown out of the U.S. on or after September 13th. So it was. A total of 142 Saudi, like Saudi nationals, including 24 members of the Bin Laden family. Um, Interesting. It's pretty. It's pretty wild when you first hear about it, but then I, I heard people talking about how like they were probably going to be targeted with like hate crimes and stuff. So I kind oh. of understand that whole like you know the Islamophobia that de developed very quickly after 9/11. Yeah. Like, you know, some of them were saying like we're probably going to be lynched if we stay here. Um, but then there's the other aspect of this which is like the FBI wanted to like just interview just like ask basic questions to like some of these folks who right. are liter literally like you know brothers and sisters or whatever of Osama bin Laden like the the person who uh is alleged to be the perpetrator right or at least you know that's what they thought at the time or that's what they said at the time um so it's very sketchy just like them uh the U.S. government prioritizing like flying the, the bin laden family out of the u.s yes uh very sketchy but we can go into a little bit more of the connection here in terms of the the relationship between the bushes and the bin ladens um i'll do some of this pretty quickly there's a a guy named james bath who was friends with bush uh that he someone he met in the military and James R. Bath ended up being, he ended up managing the Bin Laden's family's investments in Texas. So like they kind of tried to cover this up a little bit by redacting his name from a document. Um, and, and Bush himself was like involved in these uh, various oil companies over the years. Let's see here. So James Bath invested in some of the companies that Bush was involved with. So like there's that connection of like possibly having bin Laden money, like yeah. bin, bin Laden family money and invested in some of these oil companies. Um, and Isn't some the, of the, the main one was like called the Carlisle group or something. Yeah. That's kind of like something people have probably heard of uh, Carlisle group. It's, it's like a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of conspiracy theories around it, but uh, it is kind of this conglomerate of different companies that they own in different industries but one of so it's, it was carlisle was funded by the bin ladens and both uh father and son bush worked there at different times um oh. and so like defense quote-unquote defense like you know weapons manufacturers that's one of the things that carlisle group does um there's this company called united defense that they owned 
And so like in the wake of 9-11, obviously, there's a huge oh my God. nationalistic surge in just like, we need to fucking kill these people and like yeah. massive increases in defense spending and stuff. So um, yeah, the Carlisle Group owned one of these defense contractors and they made a lot of money. Uh, after going public in early 2002, United Defense made a one-day profit of $237 million dollars. Dude, so yeah, like, oh my god. All so the- this is getting like really crazy with possibly the Bin Laden family profiting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <sighs> literally like all this fear mongering after the attack was like making millions of profits. Yeah. Um, it keeps getting weirder because the Bin Laden family, it's, it's probably bad for publicity to have like the Bin Laden family invested in a conglomerate that includes a weapons manufacturer that's making millions hundreds of millions in profit from the u.s uh you know increased defense budget so they're like okay the bin laden family leaves carlisle but bush senior he stays uh he's fine he's just like he goes and meets with the bin ladens and the royal family in saudi arabia hanging out just this is after 9-11 <laughs> like so, what yeah, yeah, it's just, it's fine, you know, we're just hanging out with our elite uh, friends from the country that is probably involved in the 9-11 attacks. Because, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, something I didn't mention, I was going to mention it, 15 of the 19 hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. Uh, yeah. But so think about that. Think about that shit, folks. folks. Um, one more funny, fun, little fun fact, tidbit here. Saudi ambassador Prince Bandar, he was very close with the Bush family as well. So it wasn't just like the Bin Ladens and the Bushes. It was Saudi royals, Saudi elites, and the Bush family. Uh, his nickname was Bandar Bush. He, he knew them really well. Uh, so well that <laughs> George, w, George W. invited Bandar to the White House two days after 9-11 for a private dinner. Private dinner. What could go wrong? <laughs> obviously no conspiracies it's just you know they're hanging out this is buddy yeah nothing here is related nothing, nothing to see here folks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um so continuing on folks uh, a lot of crazy shit was going on on 9-11 i don't know hannah did you ever like look into some of the crazy shit or anything because i i used to watch conspiracy documentaries and stuff i mean but... Like, kind of the flavor that I got was, like, that the conspiracy theories were, like, crazy. Yeah. And yet there wasn't, like, I don't know. I've never really fully understood the context as well as I do now. Yeah. And it's not so much, it's not so much, like, conspiracy as it is, like, I mean, like, yeah. It's more like, it just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like it just doesn't add up. It's not like, yeah, because I wanted to say I don't really have specific conspiracy theories other than just the really funny quote that people always say Bush did 9 11. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure, man. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I just mainly uh, am not convinced by a lot of the stuff uh, that is said to have happened. So we'll get into some of that. There's. Well, yeah, because thing- too, like the the context is like purposefully hidden from the american public like you know all the covert stuff and the oh yeah private missions and the private dinners and all this stuff like they don't want us to know this stuff 
Yeah, and the, so I'll just say, folks, uh, we're not going to get into all the details. Obviously, there's it's very complicated, but there's a there's a podcast called True and On that I highly recommend. They did a four part series on 9/11. A lot of some of it's conspiracy related, but a lot of it's just this background of like yeah. the Bushes and Bin Ladens and stuff. But yeah, look into all that stuff for yourselves. Uh, there's one really, really crazy story. I didn't take notes on it, but uh, there were five Israelis in New York. It was either New York or New Jersey on 9-11 who were like taking photos of themselves and smiling with like the towers in the background, like burning. What? Yeah. So this is really wild. Uh, this is just a regular, um, this is from ABC News. So it's not like, it's just a mainstream site. They were arrested and detained and there's like allegations that some of them were spies. They worked for like this moving company. And then when the, I think it was the FBI went to like, in, to like talk to people at the moving company, like the owner had just left and flown back to Israel and like abandoned the place. Um, and that's kind of like the tip of the iceberg in terms of the weirdness. Damn. Um, there's like, I don't know, there's Cheney kind of making the secret call in this bunker for half an hour. There's all the stuff that doesn't add like, up. What's he doing down there? Yeah, and then there was, <clears throat> oh my god, I don't know if I want to briefly mention. Well, the, this... the, they were like, oh, um, you mean the exercise we were doing today? Oh yeah, yeah, that's a really creepy thing. So, this is something when I was younger and I saw these conspiracy documentaries. I didn't even later. I was like, I don't even know if they actually had these these uh, simulation exercises on nine eleven. But it is true. It was like NORAD was uh, disrupted because the uh, North American Aerospace Defense Command. It's kind of like I think they work with the FAA for like um, monitoring aircrafts and stuff like that, like air traffic control type stuff. Yeah. But um, so yeah, there were these drills that were being run, uh, simul hijack simulations even on 9/11, where they were like practicing for in case this happens. And it really like disrupted their ability to respond. And there was like all these uh, tapes, like recordings, audio recordings. And there's this one quote where it's like, it, it's been played a lot and it's a very good encapsulation of this. Um, the guy was like, is this real world or exercise? Mm -hmm. So this is when he got like, you know, news of the hijacking. So he, he didn't know if it was like the exercise or the real one. Uh, so that's pretty fucking creepy, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's, there's Vanity <clears throat> Fair, Vanity Fair article, you know, it's a very mainstream source talking about these tapes and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, there was another thing was there was all these fighter jets that were gone that day for the, for these drills, um, in Alaska and Canada. So it's like, there was a huge section of the country that only had four fighter jets available and that's another thing is like it's standard procedure to uh, scramble jets when there's a even if a if it, even if an airliner goes off course but obviously if it's hijacked too like uh no no jets were scrambled that's interesting yeah none He's, of this stuff is connected folks <laughs> none, none of this stuff makes sense <laughs> as long as you as long as you don't think about it it's fine though yeah um but wow. yeah, Dude, my brain. Yeah, <laughs> it's turning into pudding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> delicious. Yeah. Uh. Um. Yeah. So I kind of want. I just think these. Uh, 
these facts because it's like a more detailed um, account of 9-11. Like even if you don't believe in conspiracy theories or whatever, um, it's still really interesting, at least to me it is. Yeah, yeah, and I think like, I don't know, at least just like the war in Afghanistan, just like understanding that context is really important um, yeah. to like at the very least sort of challenge the rhetoric that we've been fed since 9-11 yeah absolutely um a couple there's basically just one more thing i want to talk about on the day of 9-11 well actually very briefly i could probably mention uh a few things that are kind of canon fodder for conspiracy theories uh you can watch there's this documentary called the new pearl harbor mm. and it is like it is definitely like pro conspiracy theory but it's also like I think they, I mean, the government's account is also a conspiracy theory, technically, you know? So, I don't know, just briefly, I'll mention the Pentagon crash, uh, Flight 77, the hijacker, his name was Hani Hanjur, and he was, you can just look this up anywhere, he was notoriously a horrible pilot, and there was, like, all these controversies about, like, how did he even get his pilot license and stuff? But what he did was apparently, allegedly, he did this uh, awesome corkscrew move where he <laughs> he flew the plane, and this was a 757. He flew it basically like past the Pentagon. So he didn't crash into the roof, which would have been like the best target. He did this dive while like uh, constantly turning to go in like this corkscrew maneuver. And then he flew next to basically parallel to the ground for uh, I think several hundred feet, taking out some some lamp posts and stuff, um, and then hit the side of the Pentagon, uh, which was recently reinforced. Pretty strange. Um, what? It was also the the side of the Pentagon that contained just like normal office buildings, the the top brass like the Rumsfeld and those types of folks were on literally the opposite side. Oh so that, my God. So that's just the tip of the iceberg for the Pentagon, the weirdness. Look into it, folks. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Uh, <laughs> Never going to recover from this. Yeah, there's like, there's so much more, but I can't wait. I can't get into all of it. But uh, look into Flight 93. This is a doozy. Uh, <laughs> this is the flight that apparently crash landed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, the only one that didn't hit, hit its target. Um, just look at photos and videos of the crash site. It's basically this little crater in the ground. There's like no recognizable debris from a plane. What? Um, yeah, check it out, folks. What do you mean? <laughs> it, it's like this 10 by 10 hole in the ground that's not even that deep. But oh, actually, according to um, the 9-11 Commission report and, and the other official sources, most of the entire plane went underground. That's why you couldn't see it. <laughs> sure, sure, sure it did. Um, and then the local, like local media from that area, they're all very skeptical and they're like, um, found debris like five miles away. So, and then a bunch of people saw this little mysterious white plane fly by like before the crash. Oh so, like, my God. Yeah, dude. So uh, there's a pretty reasonable reaction that a lot of people have which is maybe it was shot down right and the 
crash site is just part of the plane or something like that. Yeah. Or the maybe a missile. I don't even know. But uh, wild shit, folks. And then kind of the cherry on top is <laughs> what I would say. How many for, more cherries, dude? No, this is like the main fucking, if you guys, if all the other stuff adds up to you, check out Building 7, World Trade Center Complex, uh, Building 7. Some people, a lot of people probably don't know, in New York, in Manhattan, uh, three buildings collapsed on 9-11, not just two. Um, <clears throat> Y'all know of the Twin Towers hit by planes. We don't even have to speculate about that. But there is this other 47-story skyscraper that was close by that collapsed at, it was sometime after 5 p.m. on 9-11. And this is some wild shit, folks, because if you just literally, like, go Google it and watch the video, um, the entire building collapses symmetrically within about six seconds a little over six seconds what yeah so <clears throat> sorry to fu- sorry to sound like a fucking wacko here but it looks like a controlled demolition uh just throwing that out there and obviously the the official sources like nist national institutes for standards and technology they put a, out a report as well as the 9-11 commission report and all these uh kind of toe the government line that it's like no, of course there weren't controlled demolitions or anything. So they're like, they had to like make up that this was like the first instance in history of fire uh, causing the collapse. But yeah, just, this is just another Wait, thing so like, then that building wasn't hit by a plane? Yeah, yeah. So building seven was not hit by a plane. It had fires on like one, I think it was like the east side of the building had fires throughout uh a number of floors. I don't know if it's like 10 floors or something. And it all just went down like fast, like. Oh yeah, yeah, super fast. And um, NIST NIST was forced to uh, revise the report after independent researchers uh, confronted them with the speed of the collapse, like you're saying. Um, Yeah. So they admitted, so NIST admitted that for 2.25 seconds um, of this collapse, it was free fall speed. Which means, like, if you dr- if you dropped, if you had like a part of the building, like a like a beam or something, and you dropped it off the roof, like how fast or whatever, anything based on its weight, you know, yeah, like dropping right. it without any resistance, just dropping it to the ground. So like the speed of gravity or the the force of just gravity. Um, so yeah, like for almost half of the collapse, NIST admits that it's free fall speed. And there's obviously a lot of problems with that. And there's uh, some reports. There's a University of Alaska Fairbanks report that concludes that there's no way that this could have been just caused by fire. Uh, but why? Ex- why would they do that? <laughs> why would they what? Like cover what? cover up? Why would they demo like demolish that building? Oh yeah. So that's another that leads to more conspiracy theories. But there's a lot of like in all three of these towers, there were like office space for in some cases like the cia or other government institutions in some cases big banks uh so like there's kind of a theory out there that there's a lot of information they wanted to destroy um and then there's oh yeah one more thing i could mention in terms of this the craziness of this there's a guy larry silverstein who is just this wealthy kind of real estate dude kind of like trump probably more wealthy than trump but um 
he purchased uh, the, the World Trade Center complex. So like all these buildings, uh, I, I don't remember exactly, but it was like, it was definitely a few months before 9-11. And then he took out like this massive insurance policy <laughs> at all the buildings. What? Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, oh my God. So the crazy thing about building seven, the collapse, like, like if you watch the video folks, you'll be like, oh yeah, it looks like a controlled demolition. Um, one crazy thing I, I noticed over the years was that the BBC reported on this collapse before it happened. Uh, you can still see video. What? Yeah, video of the news report. <laughs> you're just like, you're like <laughs> I, I can't, I'm out of here. I can't get any more. So I actually heard kind of a plausible explanation for this. So like there was word on the street, like literally word on the street of you know, building seven is coming down soon. There are all these um, firefighters and police officers that were like, everybody move back. There's all these accounts. So what's really cool about some of these, um, even if they're conspiracy documentaries is they have all this archival footage from like actually the day. So there's people talking about bombs going off in the buildings. There's like, in this case, uh, a bunch of people talking about like we knew it was coming down soon like we're trying to get everybody out we're trying to get everybody to back up so it seemed like you know people were already talking about this and that's how bbc kind of got a hold of you know this notion that building seven was coming down but i think it's really fucking weird because you know according to nist it was the <laughs> first time in history that a building came down because of fire uh and symmetrically right. symmetrically at that so it wouldn't that's, it doesn't make any sense because there's only damage on one side. So it would theoretically topple over into the, you know, right. path of least resistance, which is the damaged area. Um, but yeah, like, why would yeah. all these people be fucking yelling about, you know, it's coming down. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's, that's pretty much, we got to, I think we got to move on here, but yeah. What do you think of that? Jeez. Little dog. <laughs> I don't even know what to think. Ooh-wee. Oh, dude, that's crazy. I don't even, I don't even know. Like, yeah. there's so many, like, I feel like there's so many tendrils of it that go into, like, so many different aspects of, yeah, just, like, geopolitical power and yeah, and, planning and fucking crazy. Yeah, and I like, I like to kind of think of it as similar to, like, the JFK assassination where you're, like, <laughs> the more you look into it, you're, like, what in the flying fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like the magic bullet theory on crack. I think it's just helpful to know about this shit because I feel like everybody, you know, like it's all like you're fucking, this is why we need the military and everybody, you know, thank to, thanks to the veterans for their service. And like everyone goes balls to the wall on that around 9-11. Yeah. And like, obviously it was like an incredibly traumatic event for everyone that you know was affected by it and it's yeah. also like it's just it's more complicated than people make it seem yeah definitely um and then it's yeah like like we're talking about with the military and stuff uh as we mentioned with the <clears throat> the quote about the new pearl harbor it was really like used as a pretext for all of these uh, wars that we're seeing now and the really weird thing is, um, so on the morning of 
of September 12th, 2001, like the next morning, um, Donald Rumsfeld demanded that the U.S. attack Iraq. So this is part of kind of like the blueprint from uh, Project for a New American Century. Um, Richard Clark was a Bush administration official who said that uh, basically um, some of the Bush administration officials asked him and his staff to come back with word that there was an Iraqi hand in 9-11. So like, and this is kind make, of- Make some <clears throat> shit up. Yeah, and this led to like the fabricated intelligence or the manipulated intelligence about uh, WMD, weapons of mass destruction. Y'all are probably familiar with that. Mm -hmm. um, Richard Clark also said that Rumsfeld said there were quote, no good targets in Afghanistan uh, when they were discussing bombing Al-Qaeda infrastructure. So yeah, uh, it doesn't matter where the where the perpetrators are. We got to bomb somewhere with good targets. Like what the fuck? Yeah. It's just wild. And then this kind of reminded me of like what, what we mentioned earlier with Bill Clinton bombing the uh, CIA built training facilities in Afghanistan, where I was like, oh, maybe they already like got the good targets or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But okay, folks, the real fucking creepy stuff about the collapse of the Twin Towers, this is still, we're talking about the aftermath of 9-11. Like I said, there's this documentary, The New Pearl Harbor. It's very kind of pro-conspiracy, but they use a lot of archival footage and interviews and stuff. And this fun fact, y'all, um, the ground zero, like the, the site of the rubble of the collapse of the Twin Towers, it uh, it took three months for them to to put out the fires that were underground, so kind of sketchy, right? Oh. Um, and uh, there's a lot of uh, workers that reported seeing molten steel flowing like lava in this. Uh, what the fuck? So the highest temperatures reached, and this is just like publicly acknowledged information, twenty eight hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Um, Oh my God. So yeah, I don't know. We don't have to talk about speculation about if it was a controlled demolition. It obviously was, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just just more fucking crazy shit. Um, I already mentioned the stuff about NIST admitting building seven collapsed at free fall speed for almost half of the collapse, but um, just watch the video. So I don't know, rolling on with kind of like what's going on in Afghanistan. Remember we mentioned UNICAL, I think uh, the Taliban figures that visited the US in the 90s were talking about this pipeline. So the US installed Hamid Karzai, which you know from the Hamid Karzai International Airport folks. He was a former UNICAL lobbyist, uh, big surprise there. The US installs an oil company lobbyist as president of, of Afghanistan. Um, yeah. So then what happened with the, uh, the actual like invasion of Iraq? Yeah. So a lot of analysts are kind of saying like Afghanistan was like a box to check, um, before the Bush administration and the neocons got to kind of what they actually wanted, which is the invasion of Iraq, like getting rid of Saddam, um, all that stuff. So March 19th, 2003 was the beginning of the bombing campaign and the invasion of Iraq. Um, and just kind of side note, uh, 
the estimates for the death toll in Iraq. It's, a, it's about a million people is what I've heard. But um, even in those early days, there's a lot of just mass murder of civilians. It's just very disturbing. Yeah. There's uh, footage of like these US soldiers talking about how they just blast heavy metal in their headphones or like in their tanks while they're killing people to get like pumped up. Jesus. And again, like as we were talking about with Afghanistan, like most people just did not know what was going on or like who the enemy was. Yeah. Like they like shoot anything that moves. And if y'all ever heard of like the Haditha massacre, there's like a lot of just horrific war crimes that were committed during the, the time, during the occupation of Iraq, um, war crimes against civilians. Um, and then, you know, there was, this is how ISIS formed was like because of the power vacuum and the sectarian conflicts in Iraq because of the US occupation. So like, once again, just a complete disaster. Um, you know, civilian residential areas being destroyed, people's yeah. houses being destroyed, people's families being killed by bombs and so forth. Uh, yeah, you can't really overstate like how, how horrific this occupation was. Um, but then again, there's all these weird things with like, you know, the profit motive, like we're talking about with the opium yeah. industry and the arms industry. So Dick Cheney, vice president uh before he was vice president he was actually ceo of this company called halliburton a lot of people have heard of this um but he had to like he had to quit halliburton uh to to run as vice president um so usually when you quit uh they don't really reward you at least in my experience but halliburton gave him 36 million dollars uh severance quote-unquote severance package like like he's just leaving the company he's oh quitting oh my god so like why would they do that oh i don't know uh but in a completely unrelated story halliburton got all these contracts no bid <laughs> contracts for <laughs> services in iraq raking in millions there's all these scandals of like halliburton overcharging uh for like food for like meals for the soldiers stuff like that so yeah it's a huge you know scandal so corruption big cheney was the CEO and then he left with all this money and then then, and then Halliburton then definitely, the company made a ton of money off of the war yeah yeah so Halliburton I think they got their money's worth so to speak in terms of like you know paying Cheney 36 million and then uh they definitely got more than that in profit from the Iraq Jesus war so Christ. so so it paid off as an investment that paid off <laughs> um Jesus. But yeah, like that's kind of a common theme in all of this. It's like it's all uh, capitalism kind of on yeah, steroids with like profiting Lots off of, of all this. Yeah. And then there's um, there's like footage of, so like a lot of people thought the invasion of Iraq was about oil, including myself and everybody's calling us conspiracy theory, theorists and stuff. And then there's all this footage of uh, U.S. soldiers guarding oil fields so that like the contractors can come and extract the oil. Um, so like, yeah, they, they just so did it. We they, just told went, you. <laughs> they just went there and started extracting oil with private uh, Western companies. Uh, there's it, it. It reminds me of like recently you've seen images of like U.S. soldiers guarding um, oil fields in northern Syria where they're just occupying. One one Biden official w once said that the U.S. owned that like a third of syria or something uh fun stuff folks um 
there's businesses having conferences during this time, during the occupation of Iraq, just like openly discussing all the financial opportunities to profit in Iraq with the with the re reconstruction. And actually the privatization, like y'all should read um, The Shock Doctrine by Na Naomi Klein as well, because she talks a lot about how Iraq was just completely privatized um, during the occupation. Um, let's see what else. There's a lot of information to cover, folks. Uh, some of y'all are <laughs> familiar with like the Patriot Act. That was something that happened after 9-11 and this kind of draconian era that we're still in. Um, yeah. It's yeah, very... but and then, yeah, they were like trying to say that it was um, basically to detect like terrorist activity, but really they were targeting anti-war organizations. Yeah, exactly. As well as this is when like Islamophobia started being very rampant. Yeah. And it was like a government, it was like systemic. It was like they would spy on just like anybody who was Arab or Muslim. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of violations of, you know, so-called civil civil liberties. And the weird thing about the Patriot Act when it first came out, which was like pretty quickly after 9-11, uh, it was like already written. It was like really long. Um, a little tidbit in there is that Biden was involved in writing like the the predecessor. It was like this omnibus crime bill. I think we mentioned it before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this uh, this bill just basically like flew through Congress in the middle of the night. No one had time, like a lot of, uh, pretty much no one had time to read the whole thing and they admit that um, in Congress. In the Senate, it passed 76 to one and in the house 337 to 79. And yeah, it was, you know, like, like I say about um, the era we're in now with uh, mass surveillance, domestic surveillance. Um, there's also the AUMF, the authorize, authorization for the use of military force that was also passed, uh, that was also very instrumental in kind of recreating American imperialism and, uh, you know, the, the wars that Obama expanded, for instance, where, where he's just doing drone strikes torture wherever. Yeah, and there's torture, like the torture memos. So like, yeah, the Bush administration was busy writing legal justifications for everything they planned on doing, including torture, mm -hmm. including uh, rendition, um, setting up these uh, black sites to torture people and so forth. Like Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, Guantanamo Bay. And then there's Abu Ghraib was the one in Iraq that became infamous after photos were leaked, which are just horrifying. Yeah. Um, we can like, skip. Oh, sorry, essentially, like the, I mean, if we're going with the idea that 9 11 was a setup and then, like, there's just like using that as, like, I don't know, is this the wrong term, straw man argument? Uh, that's where you like misrepresent okay, someone's. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, scapegoat, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go like for all the shit that they wanted to do anyways yeah yeah which included like occupation um so that they can use the oil and then also just like horrible horrible war atrocities yeah it's just like and then be like oh well this is the war on terror like we need to do this because gotta roll up our then, sleeves <laughs> yeah gotta keep yeah, we, the, we the people safe folks. at home yeah yeah yeah, and it's and then when you look into 9/11, you're like they tried really hard to not keep us safe. Right. 
Yeah, it's just so fucked up. Um, here's a really fun tidbit, folks. I know you love this conspiracy shit. Um, so yeah, everybody knows Osama bin Laden, the dude who did 9-11, right? Along with some other ones who had like trials. There was like, I think there was Khalid Sheikh Mohammed um, mm -hmm. who was found in a hole in Afghanistan that he looked really rough. But um, yeah, bin Laden is like the main name, you know, associated with 9-11. Very curious fact here, folks. Uh, if you go on the FBI's website, you can do this right now. FBI Most Wanted. You go to the Osama bin Laden page. 9-11 uh, is not mentioned in his uh, little, little profile here. It just says, uh, bin Laden wanted in connection with the 1998 bombings of the United States embassies in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania and Nairobi, Kenya. These attacks killed over 200 people. On May 1st, 2011, bin Laden was shot and killed during a US government slash military operation in Pakistan. So yeah, they're talking about the assassination of bin Laden under Obama. But yeah, no mention of 9-11, kind of weird. Um, I looked into this a little bit because it's like very, uh, you know. Sketchy. It, it's just like something that would spawn a conspiracy theory immediately. Um, so, I mean, I guess it kind of boils down to, and I'll, I'll leave all the links in the notes, um, but like the FBI didn't really, uh, they didn't, nobody really, uh, charged bin Laden with an actual crime. Like they didn't charge him in the 9-11 attacks formally, uh, which is really weird. Cause this is from like a mainstream article, uh, talking to an FBI, uh, like spokesperson. And there's other really weird shit. There's like the same spokesperson talking about how they didn't have hard evidence connecting bin Laden to 9-11. That was quoted in this um, Dominican University master's thesis that I found. I was, yeah, I was digging deep, y'all. I was going down the rabbit hole. Um, and then, yeah, bin Laden was not mentioned on the FBI's main page for the 9-11 investigation. So yeah, that's just another cool thing, a little little tidbit for you. Um, there's the 28 pages that were recently declassified from a government report um, talking about Saudi Arabian involvement in 9-11. So check that out, folks. I didn't have time to read it all, but uh, there's a lot of sketchy shit going on there with Saudi uh, royal family members or Saudi elites or government officials having connections to the hijackers. Um, Ooh, like the U.S. is connect very connected to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The U.S. is a very close ally of Saudi Arabia, and they have been since the 30s. Um, there's there has been this very uh, consistent connection between Saudi Arabia and all of these Salafi jihadist groups, like um, you know Al Qaeda is the main one that we know of. But yeah, I mean. <clears throat> which actually kind of leads into like the last thing I want to touch on, which is um, Operation Timber Sycamore. So y'all know Operation Cyclone, we've talked about the CIA arming the Mujahideen to mm -hmm. destroy the socialist government in Afghanistan, as well as the Soviet Union. Um, so like something that people might think about is like, after knowing this history, like, okay, so the U.S. probably, like, learned its lesson, like, okay, there's blowback, like, we shouldn't right. fund and arm and train 
Salafi jihadist terrorists um, because they might attack us. I mean, at the right. very at, at the very at least, the very that's, least. Yeah. that's something that you could conclude. But I uh, hate to say it, folks, but nope, the U.S. government's still doing this. <laughs> um, Operation Timber Sycamore in 2013. This is some of y'all know about the very complex uh, Syrian proxy war, or some people call it a civil war. But basically, the CIA started uh, spending about a billion dollars a year training and arming uh, Syrian rebels. They started calling them like moderate rebels. Um, I, I kind of compare this to like the Mujahideen, they would call them freedom fighters. Sure. Um, so, and then like once they're against us, they're like, oh, they're terrorists. Um, so now we're, now we're back to, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but like a lot of these folks are actually like Salafi jihadists and including Al-Qaeda members. So um, this started coming out, this was kind of gradual, like it was covert. So people didn't know a lot about it, but in, so in 2014, actually there's a, there's a nice Joe Biden quote in this article. Um, he's talking about the Gulf allies. So that's like Saudi Arabia, Qatar and uh, United Arab Emirates. And I think Turkey is usually lumped in here because they, they've been funding uh, you know, Syrian rebels and been involved in Syria for a long time. But Biden said they poured hundreds of millions of dollars and tens of thousands of tons of weapons into anyone who would fight against Assad, Bashar al-Assad, the president of Syria, except that the people who were being supplied were al-Nusra and al-Qaeda and the extremist elements of jihadis coming from other parts of the world. So that's Joe Biden in 2014, kind of admitting that he, he wasn't really taking yeah. responsibility for the U.S. role, but he was like admitting that U.S. allies were arming basically al-Qaeda in, yeah. Yeah, in, in, in Syria. So like Something I'll just mention briefly is al-Nusra. Al-Nusra is the Syrian branch of al-Qaeda. Um, mm. So yeah, um, there's some other stuff about in 2013, the CIA director was saying that um, al-Nusra and some of the other extremist groups were the two mo the, the most effective organizations on the battlefield. So they're already like back in the Mujahideen kind of mindset where they're like, yeah, these guys, we can use them. Um, so fucked. Yeah, yeah, dog, it is. It really is. Yeah, that's kind of, kind of why I wanted to like bring this full circle to be like, this is happening again. Wow, like this whole, yeah. Like this whole history is happening. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, we'll leave all these sources for y'all to, to check out. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, this, uh, let's see here. I think it was a Qatari official. Yeah, Qatar's uh, former prime minister that was just freely admitted, admitting this, that uh, he also said the United States was involved in supporting Islamist extremists in Syria. So this is, yeah, like I said, it was coming out kind of slow. Like it wasn't like the, WMD in Iraq thing where like suddenly everyone's like oh they lied about the weapons of mass destruction and like it's all a lie this is coming out very slowly and there's all these scandals that we can't get into but mm -hmm. something I just wanted to mention uh to kind of top things off is like the U.S. really is whitewashing this and 
yeah. a really good a really good example so like including the media and there's a lot of propaganda that's been exposed that's like there's leaked documents of all this propaganda but um pbs frontline did this uh did this special with <laughs> all right get this folks okay mohammed jelani right he he is the founder of al nusra you know al nusra which is which is the, the syrian branch of al qaeda yes exactly so <laughs> kind of weird I, I just think this is fucked up that they're doing this like right around the 20th anniversary of 9-11 you know um so they're kind of trying to re rehabilitate his image um because you know the u.s they want him to be an asset yeah exactly so they're like positioning him as like a u.s asset whitewashing his crimes his uh for his involvement in terrorism which he's still involved in he's like this terrorist leader um, they're just trying to sort of like uh they changed the name like they changed al nusra to hayat tahrir al-sham or hts um and they're trying to there's all these think tanks that are trying to get hts removed from the state department's uh designated terrorist oh group list God. But this is kind of like there's there's a lot of this that happened in the past uh, with other countries too, where they're like, oh, there's a terrorist organization, and then they're like, oh wait, we could use them, and they're like, yeah, take them yeah, off the list. Yeah, we want to work with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm talking about like Idlib here. If if you if you all have ever heard of Idlib, it's a province in like uh, I think it's like northern like northern Syria. Yeah. And it's really like this Al Qaeda safe haven. Um, and it's it's almost like they're trying to balkanize or like uh, divide up Syria. I think they really want to, and I think they want Idlib to be like a permanently, you know, like rebel-held area. But it's really horrifying. Like like I'm suggesting this book, uh, Management of Savagery by Ma Max Blumenthal. It really is like this. Like they knew that this like Salafist principality would form from this arm and equip program. Uh, once these jihadists got power and it's very horrifying because it's like a mini Saudi Arabia kind of like how we were talking about yeah Afghanistan they thought it would develop as as similar to Saudi Arabia um, but another interesting thing fun fact about <laughs> Operation Timber Sycamore it's uh, it's the it's the largest covert CIA program since the funding of the the arming of the Mujahideen Operation Cyclone um so yeah they're at it again folks uh yeah there's some really horrific stuff that these uh jihadists have been doing in syria i don't even want to get into it um but yeah they're just like like we're talking about with uh the taliban they're against women's rights they execute people in the streets um it's just horrifying so they're and like basically like um like a branch of the organization responsible for the 9-11 attacks like we're now gonna like be working with them yeah again. well we and we have been for um you know since uh, apparently since like 2013 uh there's there's a lot more information about it that we can't get into but yeah the u.s basically knowingly has been working with um jihadists including al-qaeda in syria for almost a decade at this point and now they're just trying to kind of whitewash it and rehabilitate and rebrand it 
like I yeah. said, um, <clears throat> you know, most people don't know they're like HTS, they're controlling idlib, like nobody knows what that means. Right. But, but if you trace it back, it's like Al Nusra, which most people are like, oh, I've heard of them maybe, but that's just Al Qaeda. So like, right. So really when you break it down, it's like, yes, the US government is supporting Al Qaeda 20 years after 9-11. <laughs> Like right. that's that's what it uh, pretty much comes down to, folks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think we're <clears throat> I think we're almost wrapping up. What do you what do you got for besides your mind being turned into cheddar cheese? <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm actually surprised. This is less than two hours. Yeah, folks, and that's like probably there's probably like. Oh yeah, tip of, that, tip like, of the especially eye. just like explore any section of that even further. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah, like Matt said, there's gonna be everything's gonna be linked. Um True Anon's 9-11 series. It's like four different episodes. And then yeah. like that documentary called The New Pearl Harbor. Yeah, that's if you want to get way into the rabbit hole, folks. It's it's amazing. It's a great experience. I sat there for, I watched it a couple, maybe like an hour at a time for a couple of days, uh, five-hour documentary. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I wanted to mention that Michael Moore's 2004 documentary, Fahrenheit 9-11, was one of the sources I used for a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of links to other articles and stuff that I used, but uh Hope you enjoyed it, folks. Obviously, uh, you know, we're glad you listened. Happy to have you on board with us here. Uh, check out our Patreon. It is uh, patreon.com slash thisamericanleft. Uh, any sure any you... final thoughts here? <laughs> Just use this information if you need to argue with your family. Yeah, use this information widely. Oh. Well, I almost said widely, wisely. I can't even talk anymore, folks. You, 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 you wore me out. You, you used, yes, used me up and spit me out, folks. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, folks. and all, of course, as always, do push-ups, go to therapy, read about. Buy a gun. Buy a if gun. you if you live in Texas, you don't have to have a concealed carry permit anymore. You can just fucking carry your gun around pretty good uh look into survivalist shit things are gonna get worse definitely i, I know that you you're pretty shocked by the contents of this episode but you're gonna be uh even more shocked you're gonna when be... there's a flood and a hurricane happening at the same time as a fire right down the street from you so get prepared <laughs> all right folks i don't know <laughs> help me out here Anna. uh yeah i mean Depending on the size of the bunker that they build, we could kind of join forces. Um, well, honestly, we should do that anyways. Yeah, kind of meet cool. with comrades. Yeah, I'm actually, yo, I'm actually meeting some comrades tonight for a few drinks. I met some new comrades. Nice. Get, to, get together with your fellow, you know, your local socialists and communist folks. You gotta, you gotta stick together. Stick together in these times. Yeah, you know, never know what the the bush and the bushes and the midlands might be up to and the the Isn't it funny that that like al gore was trying to be like oh climate change and that was like 21 years ago and yeah. now we're plunged into no it's irreversible the armageddon Maybe. yeah 
Hooey, wow. folks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might just like fucking. Uh, I don't know. I, I might do a little editing, but my computer's all messed up. But just cut know. it off while we're talking. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I'll, I'll release this like on 9/11. I think I might do. Yeah. On Patreon, uh, like a day early or something. But good shit, well, y'all. Folks, uh, you know, stay safe. Much love. Much love, folks. Thanks for listening. We love you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Click. <laughs>